Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life so our eternity is far better. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and as always, we have in our show notes all the ways that you can contact us or follow us on social media. Love to hear if you have any episode ideas or questions or comments. You can email those to us. And we're continuing our series this week on authority. And we need to understand the proper authority for worship, as we talked about in a previous episode. That's the Lord. But now I want to ask, do we abuse our authority? We have authority over things, and sometimes we're put into positions of power and prominence, even in the Lord's church. So the question becomes, do we allow that to go to our head and essentially do whatever we want? Saul did. When you study the life of Saul, as we've talked about in the last episode, he loses his kingdom in chapter 13 and, and furthers that in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. Had Saul simply done what the Lord told him to do or what the Lord didn't authorize him to do, he would have had a better life as king had he not done what God didn't give him authority to do. You see, he took matters into his own hand in chapter 13 and offered a sacrifice that he wasn't allowed to offer. But now we come to 1 Samuel 15... And there's this command that's given out by God to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And so, as he's told to do this, God tells him he doesn't want anything left. He doesn't want any children or women. He doesn't want any oxen or sheep or camel or donkeys. He wants them all destroyed. And so when Saul goes to carry out this command, he does go out and fights against these Amalekites. And then... He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. You know what's amazing is how the Bible reads, oftentimes you can very quickly see a problem. We saw just a few verses back that Saul had been told to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And now here we are in verse 9, and he's keeping everything that was good and getting rid of everything that's bad. You know, the funny thing about this is that God had already told Saul what was good and what was bad when he told him to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Saul decided that as king, he could disobey the Lord and allow his own thought to be what carries this command out. This concerned the Lord greatly, in fact, to the point that he regretted having Saul as king in 1 Samuel fifteen eleven. And so Samuel goes to call out Saul, And as he goes to do this, I want you to notice a couple of key points. Number one, sin tries to tell us that we are acceptable. When Samuel got up early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself for he's gone around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. 
Had he really? What was the command of the Lord? Utterly destroy the Amalekites. And what had he done in verse 9? He spared things. How can he then turn around and tell Samuel that he had performed the commandment of the Lord? Because sin tries to convince us that we are acceptable. Secondly, righteousness shows us how to be acceptable. When Saul says to Samuel that I've performed the commandment of the Lord, Samuel's response is simple. Then what is this bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of oxen that I'm hearing? You know, if you really have performed the commandment of the Lord, I wouldn't be hearing those things. The silence would have shown you to be righteous, but the loudness of the livestock that you have spared is proving that you didn't do the commandment of the Lord. Secondly, when we talk about sin, though, I want you to notice that sin tries to justify. Not only does it try to tell us that we're acceptable, it then tries to justify what we've done. Because Saul says, well, the people have brought from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. It was the people's idea. But righteousness needs no justification. It's already just. Samuel says to Saul, you be quiet. I'll tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission, and he told you to go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord and swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Wait a minute, what was Saul's justification that he gave? Well, we saved the livestock to sacrifice to God. Isn't that a noble thing, Samuel? Don't you understand that we only did this because we want to be able to sacrifice? Isn't that noble of us? Why then did Samuel say it was evil in the sight of the Lord? God doesn't care what you say your plan is if you still disobey him. God doesn't care what you intend on doing if your means to do it are by disobeying him. And Saul, it doesn't matter whether he wanted to sacrifice to the Lord or not if the means of doing it were disobeying God's command. Sin causes us to point fingers because Saul now says to Samuel that he's obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. You know, sometimes you hear children try to give examples of how they had done the right thing and they trip themselves up and automatically you know that they're not doing the right thing. That's what Saul just did. Because notice the last part of what he says there. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What is Agag? An Amalekite? Then how could you have utterly destroyed the Amalekites? Either you did or you didn't. Which is it? Either you spared the livestock which God told you to destroy and the king, or you didn't. No, 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 I, I've done it. Notice verse 21, though, but the people 
Samuel, you've got to understand, it's not my fault, it's the people's fault. They took the sheep and the plunder and the oxen and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Now it's not even that we plan on sacrificing it, but the people are planning on doing this. Do you know what's incredible to consider? That Saul is king. He has the authority over the people to have told them not to do what they did, if it really was the people's fault. Why didn't he? Why did he allow it to happen? Because he was accepting of what was happening. He approved of it. You know, oftentimes when we don't approve of something and when we have the authority to stop it, we do everything in our power to stop it. Saul had the ultimate authority to stop the people if they truly were the problem. But they weren't. He was. Righteousness is following God's ultimate commands because Samuel said, Has the Lord had great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As in obeying the voice of the Lord, does God really like sacrifices more than obedience to Him? Now notice this, it's an incredible idea. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. You know, today we have many people who go to services and they quote-unquote sacrifice to the Lord. But they don't obey the Lord. Or they try to justify something that they're doing. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to turn around and give back to God. But they don't obey the Lord. God doesn't care about your sacrifice if you're not obedient to Him. God doesn't care about my sacrifice if I'm not obedient. Sin robs all of us of everything that God has given to us. When you notice what Saul is now telling Samuel, he finally admits that he sinned in verse 24 and transgressed the commandment of the Lord because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Again, he keep, but even though he's admitting he sinned, he's still blaming the people. Please pardon my sin. Return with me that I may worship the Lord. I will not return with you, Samuel says. You've rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel's turning away, Saul seizes the edge of his robe and it tore. And he says, the Lord has torn your kingdom in two from Israel. He's torn it from you. He's given it to a neighbor of yours, notice this, who is better than you. Also, the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent. He's not a man that he should relent. I have sinned, yet honor me now, Saul says. Please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. Saul turned back. Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. But then we have a final carrying out of the command, the command that we were first given about 30 verses ago. Samuel says, 
bring me Agag. And so they did. And Agag says as he comes cautiously, surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel says, as your sword has made women childless, your mother will be childless among women. And he hacked Agag into pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Verse 35 tells me, Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he made Saul king over Israel. What about an eldership who has the authority to lead the congregation, but they neglect the commandments of God in doing the leading that they determine is better? What about a preacher who stands in the pulpit and knows what the Bible says but refuses to preach it because he can get a lot more people by neglecting the truth than by preaching it, he thinks. Are those leaders of the congregation really doing any favors? Had Saul really done any favors by sparing Agag and the livestock? Agag still died. The Lord's commandment was still carried out, but not by Saul. You cannot get in God's way. He will run you over. Saul tried to get in God's way, and his reasoning in his mind was noble. I'm going to do this, and we're going to sacrifice, and it's going to be a great thing. But God had told him to utterly destroy the Amalekites, and if he had just done what God said, who knows what could have happened for him. But now in the span of three chapters, twice, the main chapter's focus is on Saul's shortcoming. And now his kingdom is going to be given to David. His life would have been far better had he just done what God gave him the authority to do in 1 Samuel 15 and not done what he didn't have the authority to do in 1 Samuel 13. What's the main lesson from this but that we should know our role? We should know our place. Do we understand that we don't have the authority to do what oftentimes we think is best to do, even if our reasoning is good? Saul couldn't have done it and gotten away with it, so how could I think that I can? The commandment of the Lord will be carried out, so why don't we be a part of carrying it out? Why don't we do what God tells us to do so that we can be pleasing to Him? and get out of our own way and get out of God's way for sure because it's not going to work. Our lives will be far better if we do it. I want to thank you for tuning in to Far Better this week. I hope that we all please God now so that our eternity is far better. <laughs>